Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today and welcome to our Microsoft Ignite 2023 special. Uh, today, I'm joined by um, our Microsoft Teams resident expert co and co-founder of Empowering Cloud, Tom Abuthnot, and our very special panel of guests today. Uh, and together, we're going to run through all the latest headlines from Microsoft Ignite 2023. So wel welcome, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rob. Great. Tom, what did you think of the event? Big news. I mean, big news last week, big big news this week. What's happening? <laughs> big news all the time at the moment. Yeah, yeah, lots of big news. Um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was. Uh, we knew going into it, it was going to be all about AI, and indeed it was all about AI. Um, but we did get a, a whole bunch of Teams feature announcements as well. So um, it's a big show. It's Microsoft's multi-product show. So, you know, it's Azure, it's Microsoft 365, it's everything Microsoft do. Uh, so I think with, with the panel here, we'll zoom in on some of the Teams elements, but we'll also talk about kind of how we found the show and what the highlights were as well. Absolutely. So lots of co-pilot in today's session, but we're going to run through all the teams related updates as well, uh, which there are plenty of them. Uh, but what about the open AI news? What about this new uh, employee of Microsoft, Tom? What do we think? Yeah, I mean, this is like the biggest like aqua hire ever, I think. <laughs> like, like, I mean, it's amazing. It's still unfolding. So as we record, it might well be different when the recording comes out. Um, but from Friday night, Sam Altman getting pushed by the very small board at OpenAI to before the markets open on Monday, Satya having like hooked him up as a having a whole team inside of Microsoft is really interesting. Uh, I think there, there'll be more to this to come, but um, yeah, it's a massive, uh, exciting move for Microsoft if they manage to hold together having that kind of talent inside of Microsoft. Really exciting. Yeah, but as you say, it's changing daily, so let's be careful what we say, uh, but let's see how that rolls out. But for now, let's dive into the news, Microsoft Teams uh, in Ignite. I mean, one of the biggest themes of the event was obviously Microsoft Copilot. Uh, Tom, uh, what's top of your list? Yeah, so um, obviously Copilot, Ignite is a combination of re-announcements because it's sometimes people who don't follow the space as closely as probably people that listen to this pod do. They don't hear the minutiae. So there's lots of recap and then they, they, they'll sprinkle in some genuine new announcements. Um, so on a Teams level, Microsoft 365 Copilot, they showed it working across channels, uh, which is a really important part of the story. If you think about Teams, channels is where you should be collaborating together. So having that AI to do summaries and gain insights from your channels within Teams is pretty fundamental, actually. And that's a quite a big addition. And they showed uh, Copilot working with Teams phone, but post-call. So previously, they had announced Teams uh, Copilot and Teams phone, where during a mid-call, you can ask questions about the call so far, get summaries. Um, but now you'll be able to dive in after your call and get the summary. Uh, and the last announcement we had that's really material to Teams is Copilot will now work without saving a persistent transcript, um, which sounds like a small thing, but it's a really big deal for certain customers who, from a compliance point of view, don't want to keep a recording or transcript of the call, but do want to have Copilot work during that call. So now they can enable Copilot without enabling persistent transcripts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Another feature we said we talk about was intelligent recap. That's another uh, kind of like talk me through that again. Is it is it like an app that you add in to Teams? Yeah, Microsoft are, Microsoft are trying to sort this story out. So intelligent recap. Um, well, first of all, you have meeting recap, which is included in Teams Core. So that's a basic recap summary of the meeting. 
Then if you buy Teams Premium add-on, which is $10 per user per month and includes a bunch of other features besides this, you step up to Intelligent Meeting Recap, which is a post-event AI summary, but you can't interact with it. You can't ask questions, you can't change it. It's just like, here's your summary. Uh, and then if you step up to Copilot, which is $30 per user per month, then you get the interactivity during your calls and meetings and post-call. Microsoft have slightly tidied this story up now in that if you buy Copilot from December, they will roll Intelligent Recap into that Copilot license so that you don't get the rest of Teams Premium, but you do get the Intelligent Meeting Recap, which just makes sense if you're buying the $30 AI product from Microsoft, it seems weird that they would exclude the AI meeting summaries. I'm really pleased they've tidied that story up. It's going to put pressure on Microsoft on Teams Premium because that was one of the key features of Teams Premium. So if they want to, and they will, they'll want to upsell people on premium still. They're going to have to justify that $10 extra. But for all Copilot users, it really rounds out the story. But it's all baked into the UX. There's no there's no separate application or, or uh, um, there's a a new Meet app. I mean, Teams talks about features as apps in a kind of weird techie way, but there's a new app called Meet that can sit on your sidebar that shows your kind of pre and post meeting experience. So that's a way to go and find uh, your like meetings that are upcoming, and you can say things like please record that meeting for me. I'm not going to make it. Um, so they're kind they're, they're kind of trying to finally bring together this story of you know, before, during, and after meetings and having a life cycle to your meeting experience. And that 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 co-pilot will be accessible and meeting recap, intelligent meeting recap, I should say, will be accessible in the Meet app. Great. Has anyone got any kind of personal experience or comments on the co-pilot experience in Teams so far? Yeah, I, I'll jump in with a comment that wasn't really about co-pilot, uh, but it was specifically about the intelligent meeting recap being sorted out. Um, and I think that that is... Microsoft went the right direction with that. I think that's a big reason that they slow rolled announcing any dates uh, and that they they kind of said, hey, this is coming, but we're not going to give you a lot of really good details about when or all that. Because I think that they didn't know what they didn't know yet. And these types of overlaps and complications with licensing were the things they needed to bubble to the surface to really get their hands on. Uh, and I think the way they announced this at Ignite was the right move, taking intelligent meeting recap, rolling that into Copilot. Uh, for those of us like myself that still have a wee bit of sticker shock on Copilot, that helps. That makes it better. Um, but I agree with Tom. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, continue to structure the story around the value add of premium uh, moving forward. Uh, th that's one I think will be interesting to watch from a, a partner standpoint, needing to position those licenses. Oh, in addition to that, uh you'll get the meeting recap uh, in your meetings as well. Uh, like when you go into the meetings recording, you'll also get uh, the intelligent recap there standalone uh, because I've been using Copilot for almost four weeks now. Uh, so it's working seamlessly. Uh, with Copilot recorded or transcripts, you get those meeting recaps by default. So that's the major reason why Microsoft had to include the intelligent recap also. Uh, because it was not making a difference anywhere else as well. Yeah, and I guess there's two themes there that were, were prevalent throughout the show. Uh, Josh mentioned premium upsell there, like a whole bunch of other products got a premium offer. Um, so start, I'd like to throw to you on uh, Planner in a minute because that had a premium offer. Um, SharePoint got a premium offer. So Microsoft seemed to be rolling into this model of core 
And for just a little bit extra, you can get these these features, which is a new direction for Microsoft. It started off with you know certain products, and now it feels like it's going across the suite as like you buy your E5, you get your core experiences, but if you want this, you know, the the, the little bit extra, you have to pay the extra per product to get the extra features. Yeah, and I think for me, one of the big stories was what wasn't announced. I mean, I attended virtually, and they had the Q and A, and you could look at the latest questions or the most popular questions. And on both days, the most popular question, which was kind of upvoted or liked basically about 200 times by the end of the day was, okay, this is great. Copilot is available for enterprises. If you're willing to pony up, I did the math, $108,000 per year, because you have to sign up 300 users per month for in an annual subscription. Yeah. What about the democratization of AI? What about organizations, even big organizations that would like to experiment with it? And certainly, you know, SMBs. And, and I thought that was a real missed opportunity from Microsoft because clearly both days there was hundreds of people that really wanted an answer and there was yeah, radio. This is, this, is the, this is the danger of publicly crowdsourcing questions. You've got to be ready to answer the people's questions, well, right? <laughs> well, that's right. Or, 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 or say that, you know, say that there'll be more, I mean, you know, more information in the new year. Or, I mean, yeah. the fact that it was radio silence, when you looked at the comments, it, it led to some conspiracy theories that I don't buy into, right? So I just think, you know, as exciting as Copilot is, and there was tons of excitement, and, you know, Microsoft has always been about democratization of technology and AI. It's like this. And then people, you know, I mean, the general availability of Copilot, for the first time, this is a product that is generally available, but to a very... Not generally. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly, with a lot of asterisks. So I think that that was a big, you know, kind of story that was, you know, a non-story in terms of or an area where they didn't announce anything. Agreed. And was, I think that was a miss. And then and, and you're right. There's lots of like, we want to bring Copilot slash AI to 8 billion people. What right. Microsoft are doing from a marketing standpoint, they've rebranded the Bing chat experience Copilot too. So they're blurring the lines. Everything AI is now Copilot. So they're like, Anybody can get Copilot for free, which is the consumer version. Enterprises can get Copilot with Enterprise Security, and then, uh, or sorry, any business can get that, and then enterprises can get M365 Copilot. But I completely agree. There's a there's a conversation to be had, and we know Microsoft are working on getting M365 Copilot to everybody. There's a combination of technical and commercial considerations. So I suspect next year is the answer. But like you, Kevin, I would have liked to have seen a at least a roadmap projection for. We get it. We've started with enterprise because tenants with big data and have an option. But I mean, it does feel very, if you don't know the inside track, it does feel very commercial. It's like, well, we want AI for everybody, but mainly with people with money is the, the priority. Well, that's that's why Satya scrambled over the weekend and brought in uh, Sam Altman, right? He's going to democratize AI for him. So, <laughs> that's what I was missing, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I felt that during the day one keynote, though, they had the perfect opportunity to announce that, like how Copilot will be available for everyone. They were kind of like building to it, like showing all the Copilots, all the new stuff, and then bye-bye. <laughs> yep, yep, it's like, yep. really? Are you just going to leave us hanging? 
uh, I'll, 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 add, I'll add to it uh, uh, for the SMB and SMC. So I got a chance to uh, speak with the uh, program manager for the SMB and SMC. Uh, Co-pilot announcement for SMB SMC is coming at Enterprise Connect. They are not announcing it now. They have, uh, they were planning to announce it, but they decided to hold it on to Enterprise Connect. Uh, in addition to that, they have also listed down a list of 300 customers for early access program on SMB and SMC as well. Uh, which customers we don't know, uh, but they have started an early access program for the SMC and SMB customers as well with 300 users, uh, like the minimum of our 300 users. Uh, there, the limit of uh, minimum licenses for Copilot, uh, we don't know the exact number yet uh, because uh, they were they were bit hesitant to disclose the exact number of what the minimum licenses would be there for SMB and SMC, but uh, they started an early access program for them. Super. Well, moving on, Tom, let's talk Teams phone. Voice isolation, not a phrase I've heard before. Tell me, tell me more. Yeah, this was the big announcement on Teams phone. So beyond Teams phone, having Copilot, voice isolation is a, a, a new way to improve call quality. So we previously had background noise reduction, you know, and that's the classic, like, take out the, the you know, noises in the background. What's happening here is you're training teams on your particular voice, and then it will, during mid-call or mid-meeting, it will isolate your voice and send that into the call or meeting and ignore both background sounds, but also other people's voices. So if you have that scenario where someone's talking right behind your shoulder or you have tightly compacted desks and not the best headsets, it will actively ignore that other person's voice. Uh, and everybody that has this um, has actually been legitimately impressed by how good it is. So it seems like a really nice addition. This is super significant in terms of, of experience. And uh, I think in spite of major advances from the device manufacturers, I think all of us you know, still hear um, quite a bit of, of, of background noise on, on calls. It can be really disruptive. And I think the other interesting benefit is now we're getting everyone to record their voice. Um, it begins to play in. So this feature begins to kind of uh, open the door to some of the other AI uh, features that that um, having voice and, and face kind of inside uh, and recognized will will open up. So it's a, it's a mainstream way to get people kind of into this versus, you know, talking about, uh, you know, some of the specific functionality right now that might be, you know, conference room specific around attribution or something else like that. So I think this is a really novel way to, uh, to, to open the door, but it's, it's a, it's a standout rockstar feature. Yeah, you're right, right. It's a really good way. Like there's something it's in your personal interest to enroll yourself. Like you get an upside, which is how most people think about effort. So it's like, like, oh, look, enrolling is normal. And while you're hitting your voice, why don't you enroll your face as well? And then we've got the, the co-pilot transcription story all, all nailed down. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting move. There'll still be lots of tension around it, particularly in Europe because Europe and data, um, but it's a, it's a really nice feature. Yeah, I think what I found interesting, I mean, they did say they're going to use, yeah, the intelligent speaker piece. They'll move that to the cloud and, and similar to the facial recognition. Um, you know, I think if you look broader, you know, more broadly than just the Teams ecosystem, there are other UC as a service platforms, like, for example, WebEx that already have this optimized for my voice. So, I mean, as much as it was like exciting to have it in Teams, it's also, it wasn't like, Wow, this is a feature that nobody's necessarily thought of. So I, I do, I do think that all the UC vendors should look at what the other platforms are doing because uh, there's lots of kind of good ideas that you may want to 
on a borrow. And in this case, it's nice that uh, teams borrowed it and, you know, it, it's going to make the experience better. I, I think to, the, to that point, Kevin, we've, we've heard consistently from rival UC vendors that Teams Phone is not a class leading PBX system. It's always the competitive language looked. And if you, if you examine the sort of list and speed of Microsoft development across the features, I think that argument is, is less and less relevant. And then if you add on the potential capabilities with the AI enhancements through Copilot, effectively Microsoft's taking that discussion away from a, a feature, feature like for like into effectively a, a new iteration of phone systems. So I think that that competitive catch up point is, is interesting and how relevant it is anymore is, uh, is, is particularly key. Yeah, I think that that's a great point because I think all these minutia features, it's like it's not going to change in enterprises decision, right? So we work with a lot of organizations, having them figure out their strategy. No one picks or doesn't pick teams as their primary voice system because of any of the little features, right? It's this overview. Does it fit into your strategy? And, and, you know, to your point, hugely, um, impressive is kind of the co-pilot natural language, you know, unlocking the value. Yeah. That, that's the first time we've seen a feature in the cloud that couldn't, isn't, won't ever be replicated on-prem slash in classic PBX. Like previously, the push to the cloud was about user experience and efficiency and cost saving and all those good things. And this is like a whole new experience unlocked to a phone that won't ever happen in anything other than cloud. Not just Microsoft Cloud, other clouds could do a similar thing. But like, like it's a, I think in a few years' time, it will be like, well, obviously, I expect my phone calls to automatically take notes. Like, why would that not be a thing? And at that point, you'll, you have to be in the cloud to be in that game. Tom, there was a few other Teams phone uh, features mentioned. Uh, Want to talk through those? Yeah, let's, let's let's knock through a couple. So private line, uh, uh, everything old is new again. We used to have this in Skype and we had this in legacy PBXs. So this is a second dedicated number. So the exec wants to give out a number to key people that can just bypass the whole system and get to them directly, their family, their friends, et cetera. And that's coming to Teams. Uh, website click to call so this is built on the azure communication services but it's really riding on the team's branding so developers can add a button to a website that is a one click that will do a voip call through the website into teams so into an auto center or a hunt group potentially um, it, it's trying to kind of democratize that click to call website type experience um, shared calling again re-announcement we've talked about this in previous months but a really big deal uh, and interesting for the industry because it's pushing for one uh, one number and one calling plan for multiple users on team so theoretically you can light up 10,000 users on a single microsoft page you go calling plan and a single phone number which is obviously a bit disruptive to the telcos that are keen to push per user plans and per user numbers I'm sure Patrick has some some thoughts on that from an industry point of view, um, but Microsoft are just looking to light up all those E5 seats that are already licensed that aren't because they don't want to pay per user for calling plans and phones. So we, we got the 17 million PBX Teams phone users again. Um, so those are real lit up users with real PSDN connectivity in Teams. But I think shared calling is Microsoft's strategy to push that number you know, many millions higher. 
Yeah, and we've we've had so many questions from from telcos and service providers about exactly how that works and how they compete with Microsoft on that standpoint. I mean, I think that is a struggle, but it, it's also part of that inclusive frontline worker focus and inclusivity around that that we, we've seen such a big focus from all the vendors, but particularly Microsoft, Microsoft on trying to enable frontline workers and, as you said, equip them with the all the communication mediums that they they can offer. Yeah, yeah. And on that, actually, on that frontline worker, the last thing we got that was uh, notable was an ability to use the shared device license. That's the $8 uh, per device license to light up Teams phone on Android mobile, which is a bit of a weird mouthful. But essentially, what that means is you can take an Android commodity phone, even a hardened phone, you know, so a rubberized Android phone, and turn it into a VoIP phone for a first line, frontline factory field worker, retail worker. Um, so it's a really cheap alternative to doing a, a DEX rollout, for example, where you can just give them an Android hardened phone and light that up for Teams phone. Pretty cool. Tom, let's talk Microsoft Teams rooms. Lots of updates here. Uh, what's top of your list? Yeah, rooms. Uh, it was a good, a good, a good amount of announcements there. Um, lots of again recaps for people that aren't following closely. So lots of on IntelliFrame, multi-streaming cameras, um, but we got some genuine announcements. So Microsoft are adding speaker recognition to all devices, not just select devices. So previously you had to buy an intelligent speaker, which was confusingly named because it was a microphone, um, to recognize people's voices for transcription. Microsoft's gonna roll that technology out to, I think, all devices. So that's key to their co-pilot tran transcription story where they can recognize who said what in a meeting room. Uh, Windows Autopilot and one-time password. I'd love to throw to Ryan for that because that's quite a big deal, but I think Ryan will do it better justice than me. Yeah, no, first on, on the intelligent speaker side. So it looks like this, this now becomes, if your team's room, this becomes a, uh, a core functionality that the cloud can do versus having that device dependence. But, um, the intelligent speaker hardware now kind of pushes down as an option to BYOD as well, which was kind of an interesting, yeah. uh, an announcement as, as well. So it, it still has, uh, it, it still has some value. I think, you know, part of what we are hearing, you know, consistently from customers is that, that team's rooms, um, you know, from a feature functionality perspective are, 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 are doing really well. Um, you know, where a lot of them are focused these days is around, you know, how you scale and how you manage and, uh, and certainly keeping the reliability piece, um, you know, front and center. And so I think these, um, one-time password, you know, this ability to be able to, to, to generate a unique, uh, code, hand that to what could be a subcontractor installing this device in a remote city, um, for Teams Room on Windows. Uh, is a huge step forward. Uh, it brings Teams Room on Windows from a provisioning perspective, you know, closer to uh, Teams Room on Android, which which kind of had this this functionality previously, um, and then certainly autopilot with auto login. You know, this this idea that we could um, you know have a device shipped directly to a site gets plugged in and it gets both provisioned and logged in automatically um, within. I think they used a, a four hour you know example. Um, you know, this is a huge step forward as well. And so I think you know, large organizations have been um, clamoring for um, some of these tools for a while to be able um, to, to, to provision at scale. Um, and then, there, yeah, there's also um, some, some you know, interesting um, you know, management in terms of, of pro portal functionality. That, uh, but like this focus on, I think this is a mature place for Microsoft as, as they've hit a particular kind of market share with Teams Rooms that um, you know, how to operate and how to provision you know, becomes um, super important. And yeah, these, these tools were, were, um, 
long awaited by the market and, and uh, appreciated. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's about making scale rollouts easier and kind of reducing some of the pro serve overhead on that stuff as well. Making, you know, if you're doing a thousand rooms, then bringing the install down from two days to a day is a big cost of the project, for example. Um, there was also there was also a big push or a big a kind of promotion of sub a thousand dollar rooms as well. So um, Max Hub are kind of the, uh, the 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 vendor that's being pushed to be the example in this case, and they have a a seven nine nine compute unit that you can kind of reverse into a, an existing room with. Uh, maybe it has mic and speakers and it was BYOD. You put this unit in and make it into a Teams room. Uh, and they said that other OEMs will be coming with sub-$1,000 uh, rooms as well, which is an interesting kind of pressure on the OEM market. We're now up to, I think, 14, 15 OEMs. Uh, and Microsoft are constantly pushing to be like, these need to be cheaper to scale out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how customers react to that as well. But um, good to see kind of new new options for customers, I guess. Uh, the proof will be in the voting with customers' wallets of where they where they see the value on those things. Yeah, this low-cost Teams Room story, which yeah, is available I think now both on Teams Room on Windows and, and on Android, uh, yeah, there's just a significant amount of rooms that continue to be uh, where where customers would love to see a full room system experience, but the cost has just prevented that on the um, in smaller spaces. And as this provisioning story and the physical installation have become you know simpler, um, the, the taking hardware down to around the cost of what was uh, you know, potentially a conference phone in, in the past in those rooms. And so yeah, this idea that. There's probably something in there today. It could be a uh, a, a camera bar combo. It could be a, a puck and a and a webcam. Being able to take a uh, a base kit and enable that as a Teams room and get that full experience is you know, really interesting. And I think that we're getting to a simple place where you know, some of this can be customer self-installed as well. Because I think the other side that breaks the the bank often for customers who begin to look at this is just um, you know the cost of of of, of integrator labor um, that, yeah. that if anything has, has gone up. So there's still certainly a place for that in the portfolio, but in these ultra small places, um, this really unlocks a particular strategy for organizations where they could, if they can work out the install side, they could deploy this type of uh, experience and, and have the, you know, both the experience and the insights uh, that, that they have for, for Teams rooms um, at a you know, really interesting price points. Yeah, and talking of small rooms, the other thing that was quite quite interesting was Microsoft are kind of acknowledging BYOD as a thing now. So previously, it was very down in the Microsoft world. It was MTR is the right answer and BYOD is a fuss. Um, now, Microsoft are kind of saying, okay, if you're going to do BYOD, we'll enable a reasonable experience. So a couple of things were announced here. When you plug your uh, Teams laptop you know, into a BYOD device, it will understand that for that device, I will present a second screen that is dedicated to the Teams experience so it doesn't pop your Outlook up on the second screen as you fumble around and you see emails from your boss, whatever else. It puts the presenter notes on your screen, only shows the presentation on the other screen, which is nice. Um, also room discovery for both BYOD and shared spaces. So based on a single USB device being plugged into more than one employee's laptop, Microsoft will start to deduce that appears to be a shared space, reporting on that into the pro portal and giving you the option to then license that space for making it bookable, for reporting usage, those kind of things. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft can convince people that $8 per room or whatever that price ends up being 
is worth it for the extra reporting and oversight and, and those kind of things. But certainly from a Microsoft point of view, it's interesting because they get to give administrators visibility of this is your estate, this is how much it's being used, these are the opportunities that heavily use spaces, you might want to look at the kit in those spaces. So it's a kind of a, an insights play as well as a management play. Tom, there was something else on Teams rooms on Android, uh, premium feature support and calendar view update. Is that something we have already mentioned or do you want to touch on that? A little yeah, bit? no, we should touch on that as well. So, yeah, a lot of what we talked about was Windows and there was more conversation on Windows than Android. But Android did get um, a notification that they're going to add all the premium capabilities. So things like watermarking and extra security capabilities will roll into Android, which is nice. That's a bit of a true up. Um, and Android also getting a new calendar view. So you can see multiple days meetings on the calendar view as well. Um, yeah, most of the announcements were Windows focused, but that was nice to see Android get a nod for some new features coming as well. Superb. And uh, there's also something on Surface Hub 3, wasn't there? Yeah, Surface Hub 3. So again, this is a bit of a re-announcement. We've talked about it on previous shows. Uh, it's now shipping with the MTR, I think shipping December actually, with the MTR update. So this will be Surface Hub 3 is the first device that is a true Windows Microsoft Teams rooms. And it will be the first Microsoft Teams rooms board to run in 4K resolution as well. So for those big 85 inch screens, the canvas will be 4K. So not the, not the video, it's not going up to 4K from a video perspective, just from a canvas perspective. Uh, so Microsoft were kind of highlighting that as like their premier experience. And we know that the previous service hubs will be able to be upgraded to Microsoft Teams rooms as well. Yeah, one one note here I think that's interesting is just um, historically with with uh, with Teams rooms, um, they haven't supported 4K displays being attached. And so that that has some interesting complications, uh, kind of tactical complications. And so I think, uh, you know, here we have um, support for a 4K display and uh, and they, they mentioned this is the first. And so I think we can expect to see 4K support. Not this isn't Teams in 4K, um, but 4K support for displays attached to Teams Room on Windows. Um, looks like that is kind of imminent and coming, which will um, get a lot of folks out of, of some complexity of having to uh, either you know, hard code or use use little interesting devices. or um, And so it, it, that's refreshing news. Uh, those were the core kind of use the elements of themes, I think, that we, we kind of touched on. But there was a lot more besides that, including Planner, which was kind of took a starring role that they're going to change that whole experience. Solid, do you want to take us through what that looks like? Because I know you were following that and you were over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I were, I were there and um, and they they it's kind of a big announcement, but still it's kind of fell maybe under the radar is that they have the new planner. I guess everything is new now. Before it was modern, everything was modern. <laughs> now it's new, new teams, new outlook, new planner. Um, and the thing is, what's happening is the following. Uh, Microsoft To-Do and Project is going into planner. It's not that they are making everything from scratch. They are just merging them and everything is branded as planner. So uh, what they will do now, I think, uh, imminent is um, rename the app in Teams to Planner. Right now it's uh, tasks for by Planner and To-Do. It will only be Planner. And um, what we already see in, in the Teams app for Planner is that you do have features you have been missing from To-Do, such as uh, My Day, such as um, uh, email, flagged emails, and so on, which means that the To-Do to do features you were missing in Teams, you now already have. 
and they will then spend 2024 into unifying this experience and everything is planner. And this has some big implications which, because um, now you can actually have personal planners and planner will be the interface you're working with for personal tasks as well. And uh, to complete this story, uh, you can now start with loop in a Teams meeting, assign tasks, and then um, uh, those tasks will be a planner, either for you personally or for those who were in, in the um, meeting, which then you will find assigned to me in to-do and, and planner. And then you can work on those tasks and share them as loop components in uh, Teams chat and also in the future in Teams channels. So it, it kind of like completes this story around um, working with, uh, with tasks in Teams. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's Microsoft really trying to land that Teams is not just calls and meetings. Teams is workflow. Teams is your hub for, I think they're saying smart work now rather than modern work. But um, yeah, it's like it was a, if they tidied up that story up as well as they presented it, it'll be really nice. Um, again, I'd call out they clearly landed. There's a premium uplift here for like if you want the extra bells and whistles, uh, tap on the premium. Yeah, so license. yeah, so the t the planner premium, as far as I know, uh, it's a co-pilot in planner, and this is kind of mind blowing because now you can actually have a conversation with your tasks. So if you're using planner now for all your personal and and team tasks and project tasks and from project even, you can now start having a conversation with all your tasks. And um, that's kind of a big deal. It's uh, it's what we want, right? It's uh, to uh, ask the question, what's what's the most important thing for me to do today? And uh, they've been talking for years, they've been talking about how, how should you like merge planner and, uh, and project for the web. And uh, this is the way they're going to do that. So you will have the planner view where you can have task dependencies, but then you can escalate the project as well. And from a licensing perspective, it will be the old project licenses, which will be, so we have Planner, which is included in Microsoft 365. You have Planner Premium, which will be co-pilot. Um, and then you will have the, the project plans on top of that again. So from a licensing perspective, the only new thing is the premium part. And time scales on this, Starly. When can we expect it? So um, uh, co-pilot for Planner. No one knows. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to make a big announcement there. You're like, February 2024. <laughs> but uh, so um, uh, the, the rebranding is happening now before the year's end. And then they will spend uh, 2024 in unifying this experience and merging to do planner and projects. Uh, most important thing, you will not lose functionality, will only get more functionality. So they won't like restart the whole task management project process, but they will uh, start merging them. So, and it's already well on its way. Superb, a really good update. Great to see Microsoft unifying those applications at last. Tom, last one for today that we said we'd talk about was the announcement around 3D meetings. I know you're particularly excited about this one. Uh, yeah, Microsoft Mesh. We, I feel like we've been talking about this for about two years. I think it was Ignite, you know, 2020, 2021, where they were like, Mesh is going to be the new thing, um, which shows how long it takes on these things to come to fruition. But we're going to get Mesh generally available in January 2024, so just around the corner. So Mesh is Microsoft's 3D meeting experience where, you know, you can 
jump into a virtual space and move around with keyboard and mouse and and transport yourself and spatial audio and you can get on your quest headsets and do the full-on 3d meeting thing so mesh will be um included in core and then there's an uplift that if you want to build your own 3d spaces so you want to build a essential training center with essential branding that kind of thing you can build those 3d spaces um, yeah interesting people's thoughts if that if that's going to be a a, a niche or mainstream but it's definitely something that you know certain customers are interested in particularly designing their own spaces i find it interesting that they've they've taken the approach to adopt the meta quest as opposed to their own product because obviously the meta quest is actually very uh, low cost compared to the, the hololens so um i think you've hit the nail on the head there it's about price point like like the hololens was built for more industrial use cases it's not a, you know, a, a a device you're going to roll out to lots and lots of people and you can see what meta are doing they're going to drive that hardware cost down lower and lower and lower because they want users so i think microsoft have made a good strategic move there to say look we're not going to own this hardware market there's a partnership opportunity here um, which i think is smart from them to be fair it is it is a good move by them uh, you know that that hololens is pretty specific uh for what you want it to be in terms of trying to get wider mass adoption of mesh of applications around mesh of uh the wider audiences using mesh you need you need the tools to be not barriers in and of themselves and hololens hololens would have been that uh, for sure i i think there are very real use cases to to mesh uh, in, in the meeting spaces in, in different scenarios. Um, I'm still one of those that is not bullish on the topic. I'm still one of those that says, all right, time will have to prove it to me uh, in terms of wide adoption of us giving up reality to go live in, in fake world uh, for our meetings and all that kind of stuff for, for the majority of our workday. But when it comes around, I'll gladly say, yep, I was wrong. But uh, I, I, it's one of those that I'm like, okay, we'll we'll play along. We'll sit and watch it. I sat and chatted with uh, with Neil Fluster a little bit about this topic when we were going over Ignite announcements, and I think we both were kind of uh, of that same same mindset there. But at the same time, there there are very real applications that I think beyond the average pro uh, office worker, you look at places where you've got to design things together from remote locations, do remote troubleshooting of complex machinery, etc. I think there's some very real practical applications there that that'll take root and become standards. I co-authored a study on AR and VR, and even though it's in its infancy, I think this is Microsoft experimenting. And to Josh, to your point, there are certainly the people, there are very real use cases. It's not going to be every meeting, but you know, you had HoloLens, which was more augmented reality. And that made sense if you're, preparing a million dollar piece of equipment and you can't fly somebody in and, you know, but this is more about a meeting where we're all in the same space, as opposed to like, now we're all in the same meeting, but we're all having different experiences sitting in our own room. There are use cases that people have stumbled upon that you say, this is worthwhile. Now, maybe not for eight hours a day, but maybe one meeting during your day. I think yeah. this is Microsoft saying, we want to be and let people experiment and then to the point around having and supporting lower cost devices. But I think we're in the infancy of this. And, you know, to your point, Josh, I think like you, I'm hesitant, but I expect that, you know, maybe something is going to come and they'll be like, 
wow, why didn't I ever think about doing this meeting in VR, right? I think I think uh, Mesh is uh, like two two years late. <laughs> it was super hyped like two years ago. I remember we did the uh, talks in VR as well, and it was cool. And then like, okay, not doing that anymore. <laughs> so we need to find those use cases. But I also think uh, Copilot totally stole the thunder of uh, of Mesh. Yeah, AI became a thing. I think we went Mesh Quantum AI or something like that. Like every year, there's a big theme isn't there um i think it's interesting if you look outside of our space into what meta are doing and their video reality kind of podcast examples and stuff like the the stuff microsoft are doing with mesh is relatively basic in terms of the avatars like no legs you know very basic customization but you can definitely see a future where your your video photorealistic substitute maybe in a few years suddenly that's that's interesting uh, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on it as you say kevin i think you're right i think microsoft have, a, have to have a hand in this game because it might go that way so they've got a hand in i think it's important though that it's part of the platform so that you can either like be in a mesh meeting or a teams meeting or a 2d meeting and and it's like the same platform and not like oh yeah you need to be over there to do that and over there to do that so uh, Mesh also had their, uh, not the Mesh, my bad. Uh, even Meta had their booth at uh, the Ignite in, in person as well, where they had the headphones and Quest headphones were there. Um, and Meta has also tied up with uh, Ray-Ban for their uh, specs, which can record your calls, all those things. So we had a live demo of all those uh, at the event as well. When are we going to get a co-pilot brooch that is our co-pilot that follows us everywhere? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of experience, let's just finish off with uh, the Ignite experience this year. Um, mixed messages in terms of experience for, for hybrid uh, attendees uh, and in person. Uh, Kevin, I know you've got you were at uh, uh, <laughs> Kevin. What was your what was your take on the event? Yeah. So so I, I was remote. Um, you know, I think um, there is something you miss out, uh, and, and I think Microsoft from the, whether they call them analyst influencers press, I think, you know, other vendors, by bringing people together, you get to hear other people's questions, and you don't hear that remotely. And I think, you know, I learned something by listening to, like, even in these groups, you know, the questions that other people ask, that's often, you know, very, very interesting. Um the thing that I want to point out is that Ignite, you know, we focused on the Teams thing, but Ignite is, you know, much more than Teams. And, you know, I put all these sessions in my backpack. I think I have a month's worth of watching. But, you know, foundationally, there was some great, um, you know, sessions around like Cosmos DB, which is, you know, these are platform pieces that are empowering teams and driving some of these advancements. And so, you know, they had AI studio, which is really allowing, you know, data scientists and others to create these complex models or to, to really create your own co-pilot. And then they had, you know, co-pilot studio that's based on a lot of the work they did with power platform that you know, when you're in Teams and ask a question that Copilot can't answer, you can now with Copilot Studio, which is a lot like Power Platform, you can extend it and connect it to your own data sources. So I, I, I think foundationally, Ignite shows a lot of capabilities that then over the next subsequent years, we see surfaced inside of Teams because Teams is... I don't know, the hub where work gets done or Tommy said 
Now it's the hub where smart work gets done. But, you know, for a lot of people, they live inside of Teams, but Ignite gives you some insights in those more technical sessions, what you might see at Ignite 2024 and 2025. So I didn't want to lose sight of that. There was, you know, tremendous amount of non-Teams uh, announcements as well. Any other thoughts on the event? And now in terms, uh, coming back to the event, uh, in person specifically, uh, we thought uh, most of the announcement that we heard uh, were already announced prior to Ignite. Uh, we did not feel that uh, we had a lot of uh, technical force like from the product or engineering team on ground uh, talking to the customers. Some of the feedback roundtable conferences or the sessions were kept online only. We did not have those for the in-person uh, customers or partners that were there. So it was a mixed bag, uh, not that technical. Uh, all the MVPs felt that it has now become a more of a marketing event rather than being a technical ed tech event as such. Yeah, it's not the tech ed of, of old where we got together technical audiences. It very much does feel like a promotional marketing event, doesn't it? No, they, they did uh, have the labs, the workshops. Um, so I talked to a lot of attendees uh, there. I, I was there as well. And um, they um, uh, they were very happy with the labs because there were more deep dives and, and also the pre-day workshops. I think it was a post-day workshop as well. Um, which was only there for in-person uh, attendees. And uh, so I talked to uh, some customers that were there and they were very, very happy with those. And they, they had also profiled um, trainers uh, that ran the workshop, which they got to ask their questions, spend some time with them and, and so on. And um, I don't disagree that Ignite is primarily a, a marketing market update event these days. But you can have some really good conversations in the, they had the um, Expo Hub uh, at the top floor. So I uh, were part of uh, some of the expert meetups there. And if you, if you genuinely have questions, want something explained, uh, want to talk about your situation and so on, and, and you have that kind of focus, then I think actually the Ignite setup of today is very good because um, it's it's uh, a lot of people, a lot of Microsoft people there as well that can answer your questions and also a lot of Microsoft people in the vicinity. So sometimes they call someone up and they say, hey, we have this question. Uh, can you come and help answer this or, or, or book a time with that person? So I think they're, they're very available to have those discussions. From a session point of view, I think it was very difficult to navigate because it, you have the combination of hybrid, online only, and in-person uh, sessions. So um, if you're there for the sessions and the deep dive sessions, well, I think uh, it's not a tech ed of old. Well, great session today, everyone. Uh, lots of updates there. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you've enjoyed today's uh, session, please look out for our Microsoft Teams prediction series, which is just about to launch uh, the first week of December. So look out for that because everyone, all our special guests here today will be putting forward their predictions for the year ahead, uh, all related to Microsoft Teams and the ecosystem. So watch out for that. So that's it from us. If you're new to UC Today, subscribe. Don't forget to share the knowledge, like, comment, or even share this video. It's always appreciated. And if you're a Microsoft Teams fan, you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us all on LinkedIn and X uh, and our social links are in the description. Thanks, Tom. Thanks to our speakers and for everyone for joining us. 
We'll be back again next month. Thanks for watching.